0: Hi, welcome to History's Great Speeches. I'm Charles Featherston, voice artist, narrator and compiler of the series. Please like or subscribe and feel free to contact me via Bandcamp, Podbean, Facebook or Patreon to let me know speeches or time periods you'd like to see covered. You can find a full set of links at my website, charlesfeatherstone.uk. Cicero, First Speech Against Catiline, Part 2 On my honour, if my slaves feared me as all your fellow citizens fear you, I should think I must leave my house. Do not you think you should leave the city? If I say that I was even undeservedly so suspected and hated by my fellow citizens, I would rather flee from their sight than be gazed at by the hostile eyes of everyone. And do you, who, from the consciousness of your wickedness, know that the hatred of all men is just and has been long due to you, Hesitate to avoid the sight and presence of those men whose minds and senses you offend? If your parents feared and hated you, and if you could by no means pacify them, you would, I think, depart somewhere out of their sight. Now your country, which is the common parent of us all, hates and fears you, and has no other opinion of you than that you are meditating parasite in her case. And will you neither feel awe of her authority, nor deference for her judgment, nor fear of her power? And she, O Catiline, thus pleads with you, and after a manner silently speaks to you. There has now for many years been no crime committed but by you. No atrocity has taken place without you. You alone, unpunished and unquestioned, have murdered the citizens, have harassed and plundered the Allies. You alone have had power not only to neglect all laws and investigations, but to overthrow and break through them. Your former actions, though they ought not to have been born, yet I did bear as well as I could. But now that I should be wholly occupied with fear of you alone, that at every sound I should dread, Catiline, that no design should seem possible to be entertained against me which does not proceed from your wickedness, this is no longer endurable. Depart, then, and deliver me from this fear, that, if it be a just one, I may not be destroyed." if an imaginary one, that at least I may at last cease to fear. If, as I have said, your country were thus to address you, ought she not to obtain her request, even if she were not able to enforce it? What shall I say of your having given yourself into custody? What of your having said, for the sake of avoiding suspicion, that you were willing to dwell in the house of Marcus Lepidus?' And when you were not received by him, you dared even to come to me and begged me to keep you in my house. And when you had received answer from me that I could not possibly be safe in the same house with you, when I considered myself in great danger as long as we were in the same city, you came to Quintus Metellus the Praetor, and being rejected by him, you passed on to your associate, that most excellent man, Marcus Marcellus, Who would be, I suppose you thought, most diligent in guarding you, most sagacious in suspecting you, and most bold in punishing you? But how far can we think that man ought to be from bonds and imprisonment who has already judged himself deserving of being given into custody? Since, then, this is the case, do you hesitate, O Catiline, if you cannot remain here with tranquillity, to depart to some distant land, and to trust your life, saved from just and deserved punishment, to flight and solitude? Make a motion, say you, to the senate, for that is what you demand, and if this body votes that you ought to go into banishment, you say that you will obey. I will not make such a motion, it is contrary to my principles, and yet I will let you see what these men think of you. Be gone from the city, O Catiline, deliver the republic from fear, depart into banishment, if that is the word you are waiting for. What now, O Catiline, do you not perceive, do you not see the silence of these men, they permit it, they say nothing. Why wait you for the authority of their words when you see their wishes in their silence? But had I said the same to this excellent young man, Publius Sextius, or to that brave man, Marcus Marcellus, before this time the Senate would deservedly have laid violent hands on me, consul though I be, in this very temple. But as to you, Catiline, while they are quiet they approve, while they permit me to speak they vote, While they are silent, they are loud and eloquent. And not they alone whose authority forsooth is dear to you, though their lives are unimportant, but the Roman knights too, those most honourable and excellent men, and the other virtuous citizens who are now surrounding the Senate, whose numbers you could see, whose desires you could know, and whose voices you a few minutes ago could hear. I, whose very hands and weapons I have for some time been scarcely able to keep off from you, but those too I will easily bring to attend you to the gates if you leave these places you have been long desiring to lay waste. And yet, why am I speaking? That anything may change your purpose? That you may ever amend your life? That you may meditate flight or think of voluntary banishment? I wish the gods may give you such a mind, Though I see, if alarmed at my words you bring your mind to go into banishment, what a storm of unpopularity hangs over me, if not at present, while the memory of your wickedness is fresh at all events hereafter. But it is worth while to incur that, as long as that is but a private misfortune of my own, and is unconnected with the dangers of the Republic. But we cannot expect that you should be concerned at your own vices, that you should fear the penalties of the laws, or that you should yield to the necessities of the Republic. For you are not, O Catiline, one whom either shame can recall from infamy, or fear from danger, or reason from madness. Wherefore, as I have said before, go forth, and if you wish to make me your enemy as you call me unpopular, go straight into banishment. I shall scarcely be able to endure all that will be said if you do so, I shall scarcely be able to support my load of unpopularity if you do go into banishment at the command of the consul. But, if you wish to serve my credit and reputation, go forth with your ill-omened band of profligates. Betake yourself to manlius, rouse up the abandoned citizens, separate yourself from the good ones, wage war against your country, exult in your impious banditti, so that you may not seem to have been driven out by me and gone to strangers, but to have gone invited to your own friends. Though why I should invite you, by whom I know men have already been sent on to wait in arms for you at the Forum Aurelium, who I know has fixed and agreed with Manlius upon a settled day, by whom I know that that silver eagle, which I trust will be ruinous and fatal to you and all your friends, and to which there was set up in your house a shrine, as it were, of your crimes, has already been sent forward, "'Need I fear that you can long do without that which you used to worship when going out to murder, "'and from whose altars you have often transferred your impious hand to the slaughter of citizens? "'You will go at last where your unbridled and mad desire has been long hurrying you. "'And this causes you no grief but an incredible pleasure. "'Nature has formed you, desire has trained you, fortune has preserved you for this insanity.' Not only did you never desire quiet, but you never even desired any war but a criminal one. You have collected a band of profligates and worthless men, abandoned not only by all fortune, but even by hope. Then what happens will you enjoy? With what delight will you exult? In what pleasure will you revel? When in so numerous a body of friends you neither hear nor see one good man, All the toils you have gone through have always pointed to this sort of life. Your lying on the ground not merely to lie in wait to gratify your unclean desires, but even to accomplish crimes. Your vigilance, not only when plotting against the sleep of husbands, but also against the goods of your murdered victims, have all been preparations for this. Now you have an opportunity of displaying your splendid endurance of hunger, of cold, of want of everything by which in a short time you will find yourself worn out. All this I effected when I procured your rejection from the consulship, that you should be reduced to make attempts on your country as an exile, instead of being able to distress it as consul, and that that which had been wickedly undertaken by you should be called piracy rather than war. Now that I may remove and avert, O conscript fathers, any in the least reasonable complaint from myself, listen, I beseech you, carefully to what I say, and lay it up in your inmost hearts and minds. In truth, if my country, which is far dearer to me than my life, if all Italy, if the whole republic were to address me, Marcus Tullius, what are you doing? Will you permit that man to depart whom you have ascertained to be an enemy, whom you see ready to become the general of the war? whom you know to be expected in the camp of the enemy as their chief, the author of all this wickedness, the head of the conspiracy, the instigator of the slaves and abandoned citizens, so that he shall seem not driven out of the city by you, but let loose by you against the city? Will you not order him to be thrown into prison, to be hurried off to execution, to be put to death with the most prompt severity? What hinders you? Is it the customs of our ancestors? But even private men have often in this republic slain mischievous citizens. Is it the laws which have been passed about the punishment of Roman citizens? But in this city those who have rebelled against the Republic have never had the rights of citizens. Do you fear odium with posterity? You are showing fine gratitude to the Roman people which has raised you, a man known only by your own actions, of no ancestral renown, through all the degrees of honour at so early an age to the very highest office, if from fear of unpopularity or any danger you neglect the safety of your fellow citizens.' But if you have a fear of unpopularity, is that arising from the imputation of vigour and boldness, or that arising from that of inactivity and indecision most to be feared? When Italy is laid waste by war, when cities are attacked and houses in flames, do you not think that you will then be consumed by a perfect conflagration of hatred? To this holy address of the Republic, and to the feelings of those men who entertain the same opinion, I will make this short answer. If, while conscript fathers, I thought it best that Catiline should be punished with death, I would not have given the space of one hour to this gladiator to live in. If, forsooth, those excellent men and most illustrious cities not only did not pollute themselves, but even glorified themselves by the blood of Saturnius, and the Gracchi, and the Flaccus, and many others of old time, surely I had no cause to fear lest for slaying this paracidal murderer of the citizens any unpopularity should accrue to me with posterity. And if it did threaten me to ever so great a degree, yet I have always been of the disposition to think unpopularity earned by virtue and glory, not unpopularity. Though there are some men in this body who either do not see what threatens or dissemble what they do see, who have fed the hope of Catiline by mild sentiments and have strengthened the rising conspiracy by not believing it, influenced by whose authority many, and they not wicked, but only ignorant, if I punished him would say that I had acted cruelly and tyrannically. But I know that if he arrives at the camp of Manlius to which he is going, there will be no one so stupid as not to see that there has been a conspiracy, no one so hardened as not to confess it. But if this man alone were put to death, I know that this disease of the Republic would only be checked for a while, not eradicated forever. But if he banishes himself and takes with him all his friends and collects at one point all the ruined men from every quarter, then not only will this full-grown plague of the Republic be extinguished and eradicated, but also the root and seed of all future evils. We have now for a long time, conscript fathers, lived among these dangers and machinations of conspiracy but somehow or other the ripeness of all wickedness and of this long-standing madness and audacity has come to a head at the time of my consulship. But if this man alone is removed from this piratical crew, we may appear perhaps for a short time relieved from fear and anxiety, but the danger will settle down and lie hid in the veins and bowels of the Republic." As it often happens that men afflicted with a severe disease, when they are tortured with heat and fever, if they drink cold water, seem at first to be relieved, but afterwards suffer more and more severely. So this disease which is in the Republic, if relieved by the punishment of this man, will only get worse and worse, as the rest will be still alive. Wherefore, O conscript fathers, let the worthless be gone, let them separate themselves from the good, let them collect in one place, Let them, as I have often said before, be separated from us by a wall. Let them cease to plot against the consul in his own house, to surround the tribunal of the city praetor, to besiege the senate house with swords, to prepare brands and torches to burn the city. Let it, in short, be written on the brow of every citizen what his sentiments are about the republic. I promise you this, O conscript fathers, that there shall be so much diligence in us the consuls, so much authority in you, so much virtue in the Roman knights, so much unanimity in all good men, that you shall see everything made plain and manifest by the departure of Catiline, everything checked and punished. With these omens, O Catiline, be gone to your impious and nefarious war, to the great safety of the Republic, to your own misfortune and injury, and to the destruction of those who have joined themselves to you in every wickedness and atrocity. Then do you, O Jupiter, who were consecrated by Romulus with the same auspices as this city, whom we rightly call the stay of this city and empire, repel this man and his companions from your altars and from the other temples, from the houses and walls of the city, from the lives and fortunes of all the citizens, and overwhelm all the enemies of good men, the foes of the Republic, the robbers of Italy, men bound together by a treaty and infamous alliance of crimes, dead and alive with eternal punishments.